What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Howdy, 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 friends. You're tuned into another episode of the Blue and Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in to our episode today. I'm incredibly excited uh, to jump straight in. But before we do, however, uh, as usual, a uh, quick mention that the Blue and Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that uh, broadcasts from London and hosts shows from across the whole wide world, from uh, obviously London and parts of the UK to Melbourne, Australia to Niger to Japan, uh, Paris, France, uh, Denver, Colorado, San Jose, California, uh, Canberra, Australia as well. So we're very, very excited as always uh, to be championing some fantastic, fantastic independent uh, contemporary uh, R&B, soul, neo-soul, jazz, funk uh, and Latin music. And uh, yeah, we'd love you to check us out at blueingreenradio.com. Um, you'll find a full backlist catalogue of our podcast episodes as well as a whole bunch of reviews and interviews and of course our uh, radio stream that broadcasts 24 hours a day and 7 days a week so uh, we'd love you to check us out uh, today's episode, as we said, so excited, so grateful that we were managed to uh, catch up with the brilliant, the amazing Deborah Jordan and the incredible uh, K15 to discuss their collaborative project released on Futuristica Music. The album is called Human. It is the culmination of, gosh, so many years of um, 10 plus years uh, of uh, making and releasing music uh, together. Uh, obviously, part of the uh, future her extended family and um, and it's an absolute sort of testament to the music that uh, Deborah Jordan and K15 have been putting out uh, together uh, through uh, productions and remixes and um, yeah it's an absolute testament to the music that they've done uh, to date uh, I'm hoping that this will uh, lead to more uh, between the two more full length releases but in the meantime we have this gosh this incredible record um, and what a joy what an absolute pleasure it is to sort of sit down with both of them uh, and discuss uh, kind of certainly the album but also this their, their creative processes and how they kind of uh, kind of work and, and put music together and their perception of of the entire process and um, their perception of how they work together as well. Just a really wonderful episode. I genuinely couldn't have picked it up going better in my head. Uh, so massively excited and can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, before we jump in, uh, our regular listeners will know we feature two songs per episode. Our guests, in this case Deborah Jordan and K15, uh, will pick our closing number uh, for the episode. But I have the I have the uh, luxury uh, of picking the opening number, and um, it's, this is a song we discussed very near the end of the episode. But I would have to from the album. There's you know it's a it's a 
12 track masterpiece however I do have one clear standout and it's yearning and um, I, if this is the first time you're hearing it then I'm envious uh, of you and it is my absolute pleasure to introduce this awesome awesome tune so without further ado friends uh, Deborah Jordan and K15 
how how much of uh, what would you be apart from general household chores? What what yeah. would you be up to this weekend? Because I've, well, firstly, thanks very much for for hanging out. I mean, like I was just saying to Deborah, midday on a Saturday is as probably uh, as <laughs> much of an imposition as it could possibly be. But what would you be getting up to otherwise? Um, maybe food shop or some housework or. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think I do much. Like probably those things at home. Maybe listening to music more time. Um, but yeah, that's it. Generally, man. Or yeah, no. Literally, that's it. Saturday <laughs> tends to be at home, sort things out at home, and then if I've got like some running around to do, post office, whatever, that kind of gets done in the first half of the day. But yeah, nothing too crazy on a Saturday, man. Uh-huh. When do you make music? Uh, good question. So I tend to make music. After work, so I'll go to work, uh, come home, and then I try to carve out a bit of time in the evenings to make music, or weekend is a good time, but I just try to grab the time where I can these days, because there's not that much of it. But yeah, just it's just something that is, um, it's always been something that I kind of do, so people play FIFA or whatever, um, or watch football, but I just kind of make music and buy records, I guess. Do you have like a particular sort of settings? Are you like a night owl when you're kind of creating or can you just, there's free time, so you'll just grab it and, and just play around with stuff? I think it's changed. I used to be um, for the evenings a lot and stay up to insane hours. But now um, I think it's more just about space. If it feels like uh, everywhere's quiet and I've got a bit of space, like mental headspace and physical space, then yeah, it's that sometimes it's just, grab it while you can and do what you can but it's yeah it's literally whatever's available sometimes man. how about you deborah do you have particular settings for when you create when you create music or is it just whenever it strikes you just jump on it it's much the same as k really it's that that thing of having to grab the time when you find it um i would love to say i carve out my evenings but i'm usually teaching evenings so by the time i've done day job mm. during the day taught in the evening i'm a mess by night time <laughs> so yeah it tends to have to wait until weekends or, you know, little, little breaks, gaps that I can make in work schedule. So I tend to have flurries where I kind of carve out a week for myself where I can just focus on music, which is always just um, a relief because you suddenly feel like, ah, I can be me. I can just not have to worry about work and schedules. I can sit here Mm -hmm. for as long as I like stressing about whether I've come up with a decent lyric or a good melody and and be able to just let it flow rather than feeling like quick get it done it's got to be done by tomorrow yeah it's, it's tough though with with you know life as it is uh you kind of you said about making time to to make music i mean can it can it flow like that do you have that time where you're like right i've got the whole evening and i'm gonna sit there and i'm gonna do it but just it's just not happening <laughs> yeah kind of, guys, okay. loads of those right. <laughs> <laughs> i know those evenings very well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a weird thing because you you go into the the space the room that you've created to to give yourself that that creative outlet with the best of intention yeah. and you might be really really up for it and you know I'm gonna do something today and you sit there and you're just like yeah no it's definitely not happening we're just gonna sit here and we're just gonna listen to this this track over and over again <laughs> thinking how brilliant the track is and how awful I am for not being able to come up with anything decent to sing over it. Oh dear. It's, it's oh torturous dear, oh dear. sometimes, yeah. you know, it's 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 a pressure because mm. 
there's also that thing of appreciating who you work with and so therefore feeling a pressure on yourself to have to live up to that standard and whatever expectations you or they may have of what you're capable of doing so oh, yeah. there, there's there's a, a an intricate dance going on every time you you sit down to create something mm. for yourself kieran yeah sometimes you go to make stuff and you're not really making anything or i tend to make stuff and i just don't like anything like i don't like what i've made it just sounds not good um and then it's just like I'll go through like periods of like just doubting myself, like, okay, maybe whatever you were doing is done now. Like you've just emptied the well and mm-hmm. you kind of like feel a, similar to what you were saying there, but like a pressure on yourself to like make stuff or make stuff that's what you feel is good. Um, and that spiral can continue for a while. And it's weird because people can look at you and think, oh, you're doing stuff, you're fine. But for me, it all tends to be like a really huge internal thing. Mm-hmm. where you've just kind of lumped pressure on yourself and you're kind of giving yourself a hard time. But it's during those times I just have to kind of remind myself that actually, like, um, the end the end product or the end doesn't mean anything. It's not important. It doesn't matter if I make something that comes out. It doesn't matter if I make something that... It's for everybody else. I just kind of make it for myself. And taking that pressure off or uh, releasing that valve helps me a lot so I can just kind of play keyboard for a little while or learn a song or just do something else. That mm. is just as satisfying to me. Absolutely. It's just about making sure that it's just, it's enjoyable for the most part and realising like it's not the end of the world. You know, things come and go. You'll make stuff one day, one day you won't. It's fine. And just keep chipping away. And then six months down the line, whatever I was working on that day, I might listen back to and I might go, oh, I can do this or add that and whatever. And it turns into into something else. So the immediacy, I think because you carve out time, you're like, right, I've got, an hour, two hour, it has to be everything in this two hours. But I don't think things always work like that. So it's just like accepting, okay, I'm going to do what I can. Mm. And it's like most things, I think, in life, it's that consistency and chipping away that will eventually lead to something, hopefully, anyway. Right. I, I, I'm 90% sure, 93% sure that this is a Moses Boyd quote. But I think he had said that he forces himself a set period of time every day to sit down and create something with the hopes that if even if it seems like it isn't happening there's the hope that some tiny thing will emerge from it and he tries he looks at it as a discipline and i would have completely understood the the notion of if it isn't happening you just can't force it but he has that the opposite approach of of no sit down don't leave until you know not, well, not until something happens but i guess within his allocated time and it's like just to treat it as a discipline and find something and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it does then some things you've you probably wouldn't have done, created yeah. in that moment otherwise yeah no that idea of discipline and sitting down i think during uh lockdown and i was trying to get better at playing keyboard that was my approach it was like discipline every day. I had a strict regiment of things that I had to go through and I would just wake up and I would do it because I had the time to do it. And I think there is something in that, in just getting, mm. just being in the chair every day, irrespective of what happens, I think is, can be really helpful as well. But sometimes that just doesn't, that doesn't work for me. I've come home from work and sure. I'm just like, nah, I just want to do something else. You know what I mean? But yeah, discipline definitely makes a lot of sense. And then mm. other things come from that, but you have to be there. You have to show up each day for something to, to happen at least to start 
how was that period of of lockdown for you kieran uh was it i guess what you said sometimes it was able to to flow naturally but did you find yourself sort of stifled creatively or was it sort of a godsend in terms of the time that were, was afforded to you as a result um yeah no it wasn't for me personally it wasn't that bad i i'm at home most time in it like i can be comfortable at home so being able to make music in a solitary way and having done it for years and years and years means that if I get extended periods of time to be at home, that's fine for me. I can kind of do it. So like I said, um, I had a bit of time. The job that I was working, um, my job just came to a complete end. So I wasn't even working for most of the first few months. So I was like, cool, you're not working, but you've got to try and use the time anyway. So it was just a mixture of like applying for jobs in the afternoon, but in the morning it would get up and it'd be a few hours of just making music, practicing scales, and that that time was really, really like a massive time of learning new stuff and making stuff as well. So a lot of mm. the human album kind of got fleshed out um, during that time. I think I might be wrong, I think, but I think a lot of it got fleshed out during that time as well. So, yeah, I managed to just use the time as best as I could really without kind of worrying too much, I guess. Mm. And for yourself, Deborah, was there, did you feel added pressure during that time in that we have this time, we have to create now? It was weird for me because I was still working because part of my uh, daily life is regular work at the computer at home. So in some ways, things didn't change massively for me. The thing that changed was not being able to see my students face to face Mm -hmm. and whether they were wanting to have lessons online and the torture of trying to do Zoom lessons, which is just something Mm -hmm. I don't (laughs) want to go back to. That was not fun. Um, But luckily, I was able to, you know, maintain some kind of income uh, through regular work um, and didn't necessarily get this kind of blessed period of time off, which I was kind of hankering for in a way. It was kind of seeing other people going, great, down tools. I have all this time to go and be creative. It was there was a little hint of envy in me, I have to admit. Um, because I was like, well, actually, I still need to earn a living. So mm. I'm really grateful that I've got this way of earning a living um, so I can keep everything afloat life-wise. But I really wish I could just go away and hide in the studio and be creative for a year because wow. it would be such a blessing to have that time. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, you know, a mix of, of the two things. I did manage to to carve out some time. But uh, it's it still is a weird one. Um, I'm glad that at least you know we're we're back to some kind of normality, and I've got all my students back in the studio, and they're all feeling the benefit of getting back to using their voices face to face rather than having to you know interact with someone online, which just doesn't work when you're singing. It's it's a yeah. very strange thing mm-hmm. for me. Um, for some teachers, it really works, and they love doing online lessons, but. I just love the the energy of being in the room with the person and and really hearing the voice live and direct and and feeling the energy of of what they're singing and why they're singing it and how they're singing it and being able to then you know respond to that. Um, so yeah, it was a strange one for me, and I, I still kind of wish that I could just go and lock myself away for a year and just be creative yeah. constantly. Uh, that would that would be a blessing, but at the same time, it would be that thing where I would be going into the room and being non-constructive because as as well as needing the des- discipline of being able to go into a room and, and sit there and try and work through that that torture of is it coming or is it not, 
there are days where it's just not going to happen and some it can get frustrating if it's not happening on a regular basis right. so it can be a blessing and a curse having all of that time at your disposal and then feeling like it's it's non-constructive time mm. yeah, yeah, yeah i did have conversations with people during that period um, sort of music makers like yourself who did i think the majority of them were able to kind of capitalize on that 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 time kind of afforded to them but you did have these conversations with people that just i think the the pressure of everything outside the, the you yeah. know the the unknown factor of when life would resume not being able to experience day-to-day things or new things they felt completely stifled in terms of just not able to create and there wasn't something that was flowing uh for them so it was they were always a bit disgruntled that it became wasted time for them as well so it's kind of an interesting period to kind of assess creatives uh during you know some people thrived as you guys say uh, and some people just yeah totally stuck through it all well i think we're still really struggling with it because Mm. i i don't think things are back to normal Mm -hmm. um as much as gigs are happening and what have you we've still got major major issues looming with regards Brexit and touring and politics and, you know, whether venues can afford to stay open because they can't afford their energy bill. Um, So we've still got a massive crisis with regards to facilitating a life for musicians, you know, a viable way of life for musicians where, where they can actually do the thing that they train their entire life for, put their entire heart and soul into and not have it treated as this hobby that you do um, mm. and, it, and it not be a viable way to, to make money, you know. And then we've got the whole streaming debate, selling products, all that kind of thing. Postage costs, you can't send right. product oh, anywhere. Well, Gabriel, you've gone in two-footed here. What's, what's going on? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> we won't wow, go dude. down that dark road. No, 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 we can. We can talk about it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's difficult to adjust. I mean, you're both independent artists, so these are very real issues and concerns, right? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a difficult time for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's been a difficult time for a lot of people for a long time. But I think it's just that circle of impact seems to be getting wider and wider. And it isn't about... Um, so much of the luxuries are just about, like you were saying, just necessities really. Kind of how do you maintain a life? And that's something that you've got to consider, even if you are slightly more fortunate than others, you have mm. to kind of consider other people's position. Yeah. You have to consider like what is going to be accessible for other people. How that will like, like, is there a point pressing records, charging how much you want to charge if people can't afford to do it of shippings, whatever it is. So it's like, yeah, it is a very difficult time and it almost feels weird to try and focus on stuff for yourself making stuff when really and I mean people have been through a lot so yeah it is it is a very 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 strange time but that's why what Kieran said earlier is also really really important is that recognition of I make music because I feel the need to make music and the end goal is not to have a release to have something to show off or, you know, to be able to market in a certain way, it's to create something that feels like an honest representation of you at that moment in time. And whether anyone gets to hear it or not actually is irrelevant. You're making it because you feel the need to make it. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the vital thing about why we continue to make mm-hmm. music, whether we're able to sell it and, and earn a living from it or not. 
irrelevant. We're still going to make music regardless because that's that's a natural expression of who we are. So on on that note, that's that kind of leads into an interesting sort of question. Um, I would never doubt either of you. I hold you both in incredibly high regard and esteem, but you it, you you're both in situations where again, independent artists, and is that like you've just said, Deborah, which is obviously what what you were citing from Kieran about you make music with a sincerity of you you make what you want to make, what feels good for you, what does justice to your kind of uh, creativity and zone. Is there ever that? Um, uh, temptation for example to make something for someone else if you know what I mean um, to, to almost compromise on on maybe your not integrity that's a bit harsh <laughs> but to make if you're offered to make a song with someone that you kind of like well that's not really who I would like to but there's a whole new market there then I could probably do fairly well if I compromise what i would normally do is that as a long-winded verbose way of asking uh, mm. question does that question make sense at all yeah is there is there uh, i would never ask you details but like is there again as independent <laughs> <laughs> well as independent artists is there ever that temptation to kind of almost to do something to appeal to a wider market i mean let's put it that way um uh, kieran for yourself um i don't I don't think so. Like, I don't, I think I listen to lots of different music, so I make lots of different music. Mm. And I'm not, like, ashamed of bits and pieces of it, if that makes sense. So, Of course. No, I don't think there is. And people don't really ask me for anything anyway. But if they, <laughs> if they do, I think they have an idea of what I've done. They've heard my stuff from before. Yeah. So I think anybody that asks is kind of within a similar vein, I guess. Mm. But, yeah, no, there's never really been... A time where someone's asked someone, I thought, right, I've got to do something else. There's times when I've got to make stuff and I have to think. So when I was doing a lot of stuff for Deborah, I always have Deborah's voice in my head and that might influence what sounds I kind of make, what chord changes I might have. But yeah, never a time of when I'm like, if I make this, then it might lead to whatever. Because the truth of it is you might make it, but you don't know what's going to happen. Like you don't Mm. get to control other people's decisions it will just be put out and whatever happens happens so those things I think I don't think about them too much there were probably times earlier on when people would ask for like records or stuff I remember there was a time when I think I just had a record out on Wild Oats and someone emailed me about doing a record for them and they were like yeah we could have a song that sounds like this and then one of a song that sounds amazing like this way some jazz fusion thing and they had in their head an idea of what they wanted it to kind of be and at that time my computer was um off getting repaired so they'd ask for it and in my head I was thinking you don't really you're like you're not interested in what I make or what I want to do right. you just like you, you know what I mean like you've got a vision of what it should sound like you've got your mm. own idea and um I was just like nice nah, it's cool like in my head I was like I, I get what you're trying to say but that might not be where I am now I want to try and make right. different things and right. luckily me not having access to my computer was the perfect excuse for me to say no because I don't really like confrontation or saying no but um right. Yeah, man. So sometimes people have their own expectation of you, but you just got to kind of do the things that kind of work for you. And I feel like anybody that's kind of drawn to you, even if they've heard one thing or a hundred things, they might get a better idea mm. of who you are. So yeah, never really, not for not you so much. Mm. For yourself, Deborah, is there ever that kind of temptation to, to almost strategize the music that you make? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Next <Nope>. question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just, mm. I can't. It's one of those things where um, 
I'm incredibly blessed that I work with people I really, really love working with and who send me amazing music that inspires me to then add my element to it to hopefully create um, a synergistic whole. Um, I'm not the kind of person that is able to just kind of go, oh, right, so today it's going to be, you know, a pop track or tomorrow it's going to be a country track or the right. day after it's going to be a drum bass or whatever. Um, what comes out comes out because it's dictated by what's happening musically. That's what inspires my creative input into the track. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm, I'm never kind of tempted to to try and force it into a particular direction um, when I was much, much younger and I was, you know, in studios and being told, can you do this track for us? Um, there was one occasion where I said, okay, I'll sing it for you, but you're not using my name wow. <laughs> because it, it, it didn't feel right. As Kieran said, it's that thing where if it doesn't feel like it's an honest representation of me, then I don't want it to represent me. Um, everything that I've released under my own name or the collaborations that I've, I've put out, I stand by all of them. I'm happy to hold my hand up and go, yeah, I did that. You know, I'm, I'm part of that. Um, if there was something that I felt didn't have that integrity to it, using your word, then yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. It would, it just would not feel right. Really? Music is is more important than that. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. that sounds very kind of cliche and a bit, you know, out there in in some mm-hmm. respects. But it's like um, your music is your legacy. It's it's going to be wow. there long after I'm gone. So if people are going to be hearing what I've left behind, I want it to represent the me that I feel I was rather than a me that I was trying to be because I thought it was going to get me either a wider audience or a bigger paycheck or whatever else we think might come with it. Um, I think the most important thing is to have integrity in your art because that's, that's how it has the, the beauty and the connection. Amazing. Yeah. I I think also, um music isn't my only thing in it because i go to work have a job hmm. not relying on music to be the thing that pays your council tax and whatever whatever it means that you mm-hmm. it kind of affords you a bit more of a luxury in what you kind of do and how you approach things because it is just like an for want of a better word like an accessory to other things i guess um if it was just the thing that i decided i'm going to do and it has to pay my bills and it has to give me enough money to save and send me on holiday right. and do whatever, then that might be a different, you know what I mean? If like I've put myself in that position, then maybe I might have to think differently. But I think just the way that I've always kind of done things has meant that I can kind of approach it for the most right. part in a different way. And I think that's part of the reason we do actually operate in the way that we operate, because we don't want that pressure on our creative output. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'd rather the music be what it needs to yeah. be and to have its integrity and to, to be an honest representation rather than I'm doing this because I've got to pay my rent this week. Mm. Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. It is. It's, it's, it's a very delicate balance. And well, again, speaking of that level of integrity and working with people you love to work with, uh, how long have you guys known each other? <laughs> because <laughs> I've traced, there's so many songs you guys have made together. Now I've, you, you, you very well may stump me, but I've traced back your first 
released uh, track to observe uh, on Deborah's What You See album in 2011. Is that is there anything you're in, initially aware of that precedes that? No, nah. we need Simon the Encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I definitely met Deborah way and Simon way before that. Oh, so was the, you, did you guys actually make uh, music and release stuff together before that? Because I, I couldn't find anything of the two of you having released stuff uh, together. That's the first thing that I found. Uh, and there's remixes, yeah. obviously. There's Love from the Sun. There's Amina. Uh, there's like four tracks for Sea in the Dark as well, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah. Oh, so there's stuff that precedes Observe. Yeah, well, that shows my... I don't my... think in terms of recorded stuff. Ah, okay. But I've known Deborah and Simon for like a long time. They were like the first people that um, kind of reached out who were like, established music people and I already mm. was aware of them, their records and stuff. So, yeah, I've known them for a long time. Yeah. How, how did you guys meet? Uh, I think it was probably a kind of MySpace moment. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably the original connection and yeah. I'm having, like, amazing flashbacks of... Um, Kieran coming round to our house in Walthamstow <laughs> yeah. for our first like face-to-face meet. Wow. Um, and that was more in reference to a project with um, another singer that, that Kieran had been working on that we absolutely loved. Um, and from there, you know, Cy and I have both been his biggest fans and just, you know, that's why this album project for me was so important because I've loved his work for so, so mm. long. And it's been beautiful having these moments where we've connected and and been able to release stuff through um, the other albums. But there was always this this thing just, you know, prodding me saying, one day you'll get a whole album out of this guy. You have to. Um, Because I've just been such such an admirer of his talent, his musicality, his soulfulness and just the originality in in what he does. Um, So that that first meeting um even though it was you know a different project with a different vocalist was the the spark that certainly cemented um a friendship and a relationship that will last a lifetime i can guarantee that but um this this album has just been you know such a blessing because it's been something that i've wanted to do for so so long mm. so when did conversations start uh getting serious about sitting down to make this were you guys just making music as a follow-up to see in the dark and said hey we've got quite a few songs here should we proceed or was there initial conversation of let's do this going forward i think it was a case of harassment (laughs) 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 i think it was a case of no Kay had sent me some some tracks um over a period of time and of course i loved every single one and eventually I was kind of like okay seeing the dark's done what am I what do I want to do next and it was like well now seems like the perfect time to try and harass Kieran into (laughs) this this complete collaboration where it's just an album of us together and see see what we can make from that um so I think it was in some ways a very natural organic evolution into okay so it's becoming an album um but at the same time I was definitely very focused on wanting to make that that dream a reality and so (laughs) the fact that all these beats were coming through finally it was like great now it seems like it's the universe is conspiring to allow this to happen Mm -hmm. yeah 
yeah. How, yeah. Was, how was it for you, Kieran? No, nah, sim- stages. Uh, yeah, it was just sending stuff through. So even uh, songs like Control, I think, were done probably before Seeing the Dark, and it was just kind of there. And I thought it would end up on something that I was doing, but we ended up having more and more songs, and it was just naturally like we've got this amount and there's this amount left we should try and do something so i think it slowly worked its way into it and then simon obviously heard it and was like no this is going to be an album so he kind of had decided i think and we had to kind of like just follow his lead. um for the executive producer yeah. yeah 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 and then it just kind of worked but it made like total sense to kind of do an album and working on an album with deborah is like that's the stuff of dreams. Like I said to them when I met them, like I know of their music before I'd even met them. Mm. I'd known of Deborah Jordan before I ever met Deborah Jordan. So to see her in the flesh was one thing. To get to the remix is another. But a whole album in like in the twenty first century you don't get that as much. Where someone just does a whole album with someone like mm. all in. So it was really like a massive um, blessing to be part of that, and just a massive learning curve as well. So yeah, no, it was really special. And even on my phone, I've got like the earlier demos of a lot of the songs that she sent. And oh, amazing. As much as I love the finished thing, those earlier demos are the ones that I don't think I'll ever delete. I play those more than the actual wow. finished mastered stuff. Just because everything is just it was like the early version of music, the earliest takes of the vocals, and it's just like this is you know what I mean? Like that is where it goes from idea into something and the rest of it is all just kind of like polishing and stuff. But yeah, no, it was, it's been a massive, massive blessing to do and something that I'm proud of, you know what I mean? To be able to do it and to do it with someone who is the caliber of Deborah Jordan, who is out doing other things with other people. You know what I mean? So like, that's something I thought I'd never be capable of doing. You know what I mean? I even have the like, the skill sets kind of navigate. So yeah, to get it done with Deborah is like been a massive yeah amazing that's super cool how would you kind of describe that process that for the two of you like do you is there discussion beforehand or does 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 kieran does does kieran sort of start the process with with like productions or thoughts ideas and send it over for for say deborah to write on or does does it go the other way around how does it tend to work i i might be wrong but let me know but i think i have some of the music I send it with a title and then Deborah reads, she sees the name of whatever the, the music is and then it tends to work from that. I think that's what happens. Is that right or did I get it wrong? No, you're right. I mean, yeah, Kieran sends through his magic and then I just fall in love with it, basically. Um, some of them didn't have titles, which was almost off-putting in a way because it was like... Oh. <laughs> the, the title seems to help spark an idea I don't know whether it's just a kind of uh, subliminal connection to whatever Kieran was thinking which is why he called it that but somehow it seemed to just allow me to to connect into whatever was going on at the time for him and then be able to add my my input to it but um sometimes not having the title is like oh okay <laughs> i've got to come up with that have i <laughs> but what's this one about i don't know let me find uh, it this um, is good to know this is good to know, <laughs> <laughs> is good to know. 
but but it was also cool because it was kind of like okay so maybe you don't know what this one's about yet either so we're finding mm. this one out together um <laughs> and it was i mean it's it's always just such a blessing to hear anything from from yeah. kira because it's always just a masterpiece absolutely um and for me there's always that that trepidation of am i going to be able to do something amazing on this because um I don't want to let him down, um, especially because I hold him in such high esteem and such high caliber that it's like, okay, I've got to meet his standard and his level. So I don't want to let him down and disappoint him and do something dreadful over this masterpiece he sent me. Mm. So whenever I send something back to Kieran, that's the moment where it gets scary <laughs> because, wow. because I know that he's also very discerning. So if there is something that he's not feeling or he thinks I can do better, he will tell me. And that's great because sometimes people don't want to tell you because they don't want to upset you or offend you or, you know, whatever reason. Um, but the beautiful thing is we are able to communicate openly and honestly. And so Kieran would give me feedback on, on certain things. Sometimes it's like, great, I love it. And those are the days where you're really happy. Sometimes you get some notes. What about this? What about that? How about we change that section? Or how do you feel about this section? And, and that's where it then, you know, really becomes that collaboration and that, that evolution into something that is the sum of the parts rather than just, you know, a, a kind of more individualistic experience. That was going to be my next question. Like, do you each feel you would have the freedom to comment on each other's parts or would you just say, well, that's I wouldn't have done that, but that's what you know said person has done so I'll, I'll respect it or is it a case of well i think this song needs to be longer i think we need more drums or or kieran we might say you've made this a song about this and i always thought it could be a song about this you know so uh it, it seems like you do both freely kind of uh you know contribute is it a, is it difficult to make that initial like i love this but could what do you think about this you know is it difficult to kind of have that dialogue or is it something that you just work with complete freedom and trust with each other and it's not something not a hurdle to have to address that with someone yeah I, it's not difficult it might feel awkward but i don't if she sends it on monday then i'll probably like my initial reaction might be whatever but i'm just like to sit with it and once i've listened to it for a while and if whatever i'm thinking or whatever ideas i have are still the same then I know there's like some truth in it. It isn't just like a first reaction. And that makes it a bit more uh, easy to kind of say, actually, this is cool, but if we do this, this and this and this, then it might be something else. But mm. um, initial reactions are kind of, they're not always the thing that I kind of right. cling to, if that makes sense. But there was always like really honest in sending things back in case things need changing. And I hope I kind of do the same as well to try and get the best yeah. for the music that we're working on, really. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there there is always that that little, um, as Kieran called it, awkwardness, because you you don't want to tread on anyone's toes or upset them and what have you. And, and, you know, music is a very heartfelt um, creation. So, you know, whatever we've made, uh, a lot of love, time and energy has gone into it. And we're hoping that it's well received. It doesn't necessarily mean that what you've done is perfect and therefore should stay that way. Um, and 
to get the best out of that thing that you're you're both trying to collaborate and create together you have to be able to be honest with each other and say well actually you know I think you you need to change the backing vocal arrangement at the end of the song because it's too much or it's not working for me or you know I I (laughs) In, in in my book, please can you tell me where the one is on the track because I have no idea what time I'm singing in. That kind right. of thing. Um, <laughs> that that has to happen because you know if if you can't be honest with each other and say, look, how do we make this the best thing we think we can make together? Why are we making it? It's it's got to be the best re- representation of both of us, and you don't get that without being honest. And yeah. the beautiful thing with Kieran is that I know that he is discerning and that he is. When when I don't hear from him for those three days and I'm sat on tenterhooks biting my nails, going, does he hate it? Does he hate it? Um, I know that he's actually just processing and digesting what's there and figuring out does this work in the best way possible yeah. for me and does it make sense? Um, so I definitely always take on board um, case critiques or criticisms or, or input in the spirit in which they're meant because it's only ever to enhance it. It's never to kind of diminish something or, or detract. So you have to be open and honest and be able to communicate. Mm. Amazing. Um, obviously the album is sort of indicative from its title human. I mean, it, it, the project kind of each track serves as almost like a, a, a character study of those sort of varying elements that we all have from from fear and and love to you know to joy and uh regret i mean that that notion of that concept of the album how early into the process did that come or is it almost uh you know, respectfully i say this it was sort of like a happy accident where you kind of like wait this is kind of where this project is headed um uh i think it was because human was one of the last songs to get written i think um, so I think it kind of, once that was done, it kind of all made sense once it's all you could listen through it. But I think, it more, again, I think it's going to be Simon. I think he kind of saw that and was like, yep, this is exactly what it is. Yeah, I think it was more Simon. Mm. <laughs> and, and that is the God's honest truth, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to say that I came up with this beautiful concept album. Um, <laughs> I even said to Sai last night, do I fib and say that, you know, I came up with this amazing concept because you've kind of, you know, been portraying it as this concept album. And he's like, no, just be you. Just say what you need to say. And it's like, well, actually, it was not written or conceived of as a concept album. Mm -hmm. Um, As you said, it actually was almost like a happy accident where in writing each of the songs and then looking at what had been written and the one thing I knew I wanted was, you know, these one word titles for each song because you know as Kay mentioned you know sometimes he's got a title on it and it would generally be one word and I was like well I like this I like the fact that we've just got you know one statement rather than some laborious long-winded title for for you know every track um so I kind of got into that thing of okay one word titles so therefore make each of those means something, make it be succinct and and be relevant to the lyric of the song. Um, But then when we were looking at it, it suddenly seemed to have more of a kind of connectedness 
running through throughout it but it was more Simon that picked up on that and was like hold on a minute <laughs> mm. I see something here mm. um and even like Rapson once he saw the kind of um track list and especially reading the them as as the the vinyl sides he was like right. each one is almost like a a story on each side they they seem to make sense if yeah. you just read the one word titles and I yeah. hadn't even clocked that. So I was like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> right. Cool. So I think other people saw it before I did, <laughs> which is, you know, how it can happen sometimes because you're so caught up in just trying to make something and, you know, make it the best thing that it can be that you're not necessarily seeing the bigger picture the whole mm. time. Mm. Do you, I suppose look at, looking ahead, I, I've been sort of fascinated by this this kind of uh, this question for for, say, for a project like this, or for any sort of project that you guys work on. Uh, do you find it is it an easy uh, thing, or, or is it a particularly hard thing to know when a project is done? You know, to wait that point where you draw that line underneath and say, yeah, like we we, we officially. This tells everything that we want it to tell. This tells the complete story. It, it covers every base and angle that we could kind of approach this from and it's done. So as individuals, do you find that uh, a particularly easy or difficult thing? And then, you know, to extend that question, when you're working with someone in a 50-50 context, do you both, is it a, a difficult point to reach that at the same time? Where you're like, well, I think we've got one more where we could really emphasize this or or you know, do you know? Does that question another garbled question? But no, it makes sense. It makes sense. How, yeah, how, how does it kind of work for you? Where you acknowledge, well, this is this is the end. Of, we've we've done it. It's over. I don't. I don't think there's like a point where I say this is the end. This is done. But there might come a point where I'm like, uh, working on this is not gonna. What am I gonna gain from working on this? Like, what am I actually adding? Mm. Sometimes you can sit and try and add things, and it might not. It might actually subtract from what you've got. Right. So I think sometimes it's just like, okay, this is what it is. This is how it is. And when you listen back, I always tend to, whenever I'm doing anything, whether it's album, whatever, I always have the songs as one long file. So the album will be like one 45 minute web and I'll listen to it from start to end and go back and go back. And that gives me a much clearer idea of whether I feel like it's a finished thing, whether it needs something here or something there. Um, so yeah, it's more like, does it feel like, you know, it's kind of come to its natural end or maybe it just feels like there's nothing more to kind of add to it. Like, this is what it is. This is how it is. And even if it's not finished, it doesn't need to be, you know, finished. It can just be as it is. It doesn't need to be perfect. Again, the end of it is kind of not the thing. It's just kind of while you're going through it and making it. And if you feel like, right, I kind of like, this is putting a good shift. This is all right. This is sounding good. Then it's, it's fine. You know, I mean, I, I try. I try not to worry too much about it. Otherwise, I just never end anything. Right, <laughs> uh, Deborah, is it an easy decision for you to make? And again, uh, that notion of working with someone—do uh, you find it difficult to reach the point at the same time? I agree completely with Kay. It's one of those things where um, sometimes things just very naturally seem to be as complete as they're going to be. Um, but I also think that, you know, we musicians, stroke producers, what have you, whatever we want to label it, we are overly analytical, overly in our heads, overly stressing about, well, is it finished? Is it complete? Does it need more? Um, and we tend to kind of err on the side of more, 
<laughs> let's mm. just do more then you know um and i think it's it's actually a a real skill or an art to learn to be able to go enough done as as kay said to listen to it in the context and to accept that that which you've put together is that which needs to be put together and and, and feels as though it, it works well together mm-hmm. um i also have the blessing of having simon so he being executive producer extraordinaire is amazing at being able to hear um you know a uh, a group of songs and to be able to playlist them in a certain way where it just makes perfect sense so you get this you know beautiful track listing that that gives you context and flow to the whole and that helps you to kind of go yeah okay that's complete that's done with human uh, Kay had sent me, you know, a certain number of beats and I knew I wanted those 12 tracks <laughs> basically to be the album. Um, and, and where Cy was kind of saying, you know, yeah, you know, but 10 tracks is, is enough. So don't stress about the other two if they're not coming or, you know, if you haven't got time, 10 tracks is still good. It's, it's long enough, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no it is a 12 track album. And I knew that those 12 tracks had to be together. So from that point of view, I suppose I was kind of more adamant that I wanted all of those songs to mm-hmm. to work together. And then once they were all written, so I was able to kind of hear it and go, yeah, okay, this is how it works. This is, this is the running order and, and this is how it flows from one into the next. Visionary, um, you saw it, you saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know why it was it was it was a a, a real kind of um, sticking point for me, if you like, because um, a obviously I I loved everything you sent me, but it it just felt like they all needed to sit together and, and that that was the whole. Yeah. Um, and you know, you you sent me a couple of tracks I think afterwards and one was definitely kind of like this is for a different project but you know if you want to vocal it blah 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 um but knowing that you'd sent me at different stages you know these these tracks yeah somehow just knowing that all 12 of those fit and were meant to be the whole made sense to me it was it was just kind of obvious and clear so I was glad that you know there was no kind of um, deadline or immediate rush to get it finished and to to make sure it was out by a certain time and needing to cut it short or anything like that, um, and that everybody was was happy to stick with it and and let it be what it needed to be. Um, because I certainly wouldn't wouldn't want to take anything off of that album. It feels like to me as though that is the album we needed mm-hmm. to make. That's incredible. Yeah, awesome. Um... Um, there is a couple of uh, remixes. I mean, the project still has has life in it, which is really exciting to see. We recently had the release of uh, Simon's extended uh, mix of Running and uh, the incredible Mark Rapson uh, remix. Kieran, uh, w- what is it like having kind of stuff that you've done? Uh, also, big part of question for, for both of you. But what is it like when, uh, I guess, from a compositional perspective, when you hear kind of your tracks uh, kind of remix? Is it a process you enjoy, or is it something where you uh, kind of like, oh, hey, that's mine. Leave it, <laughs> leave it alone. 
Uh, yeah, no, nah, it's always cool, man. You get to hear what other people, mm. how they hear things, how they do things. You're like, well, I never would have thought it that way. So, yeah, it's good to hear what other people do, how other people make music. Like, it's always, mm. yeah, it's always a good thing. Mm. Deborah, I think it's a question I've asked you before, but how, how, how do you kind of like kind of interpretations of stuff that you've done being taken by someone else and reimagined? I agree with Kate. There's, there's that, you know, great. Somebody else's perspective. Wonderful. But for me, there's, there's still that little sense of trepidation of, but am I going to like it? Mm. Because I get so attached to the original and to to what's been created because you know whatever I've written has been written to that track to that music to that production specifically um and you know it's it's kind of like one is born out of the other and so therefore taking one of those elements away feels wrong um so I'm always left with a certain amount of trepidation of wondering, okay, am I going to like your reinterpretation or your your imaginative uh, take <laughs> on what it is that we've done? And in all honesty, there have been a couple that I've been like, yikes, okay, yeah. <laughs> Not feeling that. And I don't know how you kind of came to that conclusion. Um, luckily, for the majority, uh, it's always a, wow, okay, amazing, brilliant, thank you. (laughs) Because it does give you a a different perspective on the track um, because you're hearing it in a very, very different context. And and again, luckily, you know, we are able to get remixes done by people that have amazing talent, amazing calibre and and, uh, reputation. So you would hope that you're going to get something that you like out of those connections. Um, but it's not always the case um, because, again, it, it's completely subjective, you know, um, and somebody's experience of what you've written is not going to be your experience of what you've written. Yeah. So it, it, it always a little moment of nerves. I do, I do remember you being particularly scathing about my yodeling remix of Senses, <laughs> but that's OK. I moved on. <laughs> I loved it. How dare you suggest anything other than that? Has it been released yet? That's OK. <laughs> working on it it's gonna have its own standalone release okay you've reassured me uh i guess kieran actually that's an interesting question for you as well though because uh, as a prolific remixer you're you, you're on the other side of that as well i mean do you is there a trepidation for when you submit something that you know the the artist is going to have a a kind of well hang on you've i mean i can't imagine it happening to yourself if i may say but um you know do you have that sort of you, you need to pay respects to what they've done and or is it a case of when well, I'm going to take it in a completely new directions as you have done uh, for, for gosh the multitude of remixes that you've done but yeah what is it like being on the other side of it um, yeah again like I said earlier if somebody approaches me to do something I'd like to think they have an idea of what I've done before so nothing should be too shocking if that makes sense mm. um, but I tend to listen to the original song once maybe twice and then that's it i just kind of take the parts and build around that and remixes and just working in that way are pretty good for me if i'm not really making much or um yeah for whatever reason it's just not really happening i'm not finding the time having something already to start with can always be helpful whether that's a vocal or a sample or whatever it is then you can just kind of build around it so mm. i learn a lot from doing remixes i learn a lot about 
construction and like arrangement and stuff. So yeah, I tend to just listen a couple of times and then make something and the original idea tends to come pretty quickly. Then it's just kind of like refining it, refining it. And when I feel like the idea is kind of there, then I send it off. Right. And similar to how Deborah gets that, oh, I wonder what they're going to say. You've got to wait until your inbox uh, is filled with a new message and then you kind of like hear what people have to say. Um, do you, are you quite do you when you send it are you kind of like well i'm i've i've done a good job and i'm at peace with it and i'm totally okay with whatever the response is or are you yeah. like you said with deborah you're at the edge of your seat um i think it's good you know what i mean i wouldn't send it if i didn't think it had something mm. but again other people might feel a different way and also it's something that they've paid for and if you pay for something then there's a kind of idea that you want it your particular way. So as much as I might feel a way about something, if someone's paid me for something, me digging my heels and saying, well, it's my way or the highway, I don't know yeah. if that's the best way to kind of do anything. Sure, sure. But um, yeah, no, luckily for the most part, I send it off and they're like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like this is sounding okay. And then I just kind of finish it off, get it to a point where it makes sense and then send it mm-hmm. back. But yeah, having something to kind of work from is always like super helpful for me. It means that there's... Mm-hmm like something to kind of go from i guess yeah there's um i guess the final point if i may about the album uh i spoke for yourself uh initially kieran is that obviously i mean you you, you've had such an extensive kind of uh career as with with futuristica you know we've done productions and remixes you know for for deborah for obviously many years you've worked on georgie sweet's uh debut project uh emanative uh, you've done remixes for simon and jazz chronicles i mean they, they must be really fulfilling i suppose uh for human is like your first you know full-length release with with deborah for for the label what is the you know your work with the label what has it kind of meant to you over over those years yeah 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 that's a good question um it's not a career i don't think anything i do music is a career Mm. um but it's a relationship most of the stuff that happens in music if not pretty much all of it is built off relationships and whether we do one thing together or 50 things together it's a relationship people that i will still ring in and see how they're doing or listen to their stuff or promote their stuff if i see it you know i mean like it's just relationships so to be able to go from like I said, I was a fan of Deborah and Simon from before, and that was in 2007 or eight or something ridiculous like that. So to go from being a fan to remixes here and there, and then going on to have an album like is like that's insane to me. But it's something that I'm very kind of grateful for, and the fact that it's lasted this period of time is like, yeah, yeah I'm very grateful for that, and just for them being really cool humans, man, and friends. You know what I mean, like. Mm. The relationships really do help things, man. You know what I mean? And just see, like, I remember listening to Deborah's album with uh, Under Silhouette Brown and being blown away by the production, but by the vocals as well. And that was always like, this is mad. Like, who, who is this person? And then realising it's Deborah and it's Deborah from other things and Deborah from mm. this stuff. So, yeah, it's just been a really, um, it's quite a humbling thing to get to the point where you get to, work with people extensively yeah. who are your mates and who you really respect. So yeah, it's just, yeah, man, it's a proper, proper blessing to be able to do that for that period of time. You know what I mean? And I'm just fortunate that I get to do it. Very, very fortunate, man. Amazing. And Deborah, so you, you, you've talked about being a fan of Kieran's uh, for so long. So, and with the extensive work that you guys have made together, there's a, a real kind of full circle moment, I guess, for this album to finally come out. Well, that's why we call it the futuristic family, mm. because <laughs> it is about those relationships. It is about 
not only having huge respect and admiration for the people that we work with, but for having those friendships and, you know, for being there, good times, bad, whatever's going on. You know, we've we've all experienced so much in the last, oh, and I want to say, I think we met in about 2006. I think it's going back that far. Wow. Um, you know, we've all been through so much life experience um, in those years. But the beautiful thing is that whether we contact each other every week or, you know, once every year or however long it is, nothing changes. We all know that we are there for each other, come what may. And time, space, distance, you know, because we're not all in the same location. So it's not easy for us to all just hook up Um it doesn't make a difference because we know that we are connected by something stronger, more beautiful. Um, and, and by a, not only that, that respect and admiration, but a love for each other. So I think everything that we make musically intrinsically holds that within it as well. So then it's got that, that bit of magic to it. Um, or at least, you know, I like to think <laughs> because mm. I'm, I'm very connected to it and it, it means so much to me, but um relationship is the foundation of everything and it the music enables us to then share that with others and then it creates a relationship with the listener and the beautiful thing is then receiving messages from people saying your album got me through the worst time of my life or it helped me celebrate the best time of my life because then it just um it spirals out you know it creates a network a web where even though we may never have met we are all interconnected and, you know, maybe a bit contrived, but, you know, makes us human. That's the the whole point, right? We are all living a very human experience and we all go through these, these difficulties and these trials that help us to hopefully empathize with each other more and, and have more compassion and love for each other. So futuristic family is what it's about. Wonderful. Ah, oh, perfectly put. I have one final question I wanted to ask you both about. It's a Kieran quote. Uh, it's taken from your website. Uh, I'm just going to read it, if I may. Uh, it says, I could talk about how music acts as a vehicle for me to process my experiences, how it provides stability through turbulence. But the truth is, I'm just a fan of music. Nothing more, nothing less. And I love that. That's really stuck with me. I read that um, a lot earlier this year. Um, and um it's really stuck with me. I think it's a really fantastic way to separate artists from the music, um, and you know, putting the sort of the focus on the music part of it, and that's obviously important. I think that that's sort of indicative of so many things that you discussed, that you both discussed uh, on the show today about just the integrity with and faith in what you put out. Uh, just yeah, just it's it's a very it's very indicative of that, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to your thoughts on when you put that together, Kieran, because it's it's a brilliantly put piece. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Is that a... <laughs> okay. No, yeah, that was no, a compliment. Oh, no, 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 I'm terrible at taking comments from yourself. So I just <laughs> I say, he yeah, 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 doesn't yeah, yeah. get how profound he is yeah. or how beautiful he is, and I'm... so he doesn't take compliments easily. I th- no. It came off like he was like, "Okay, nerd." <laughs> no, 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 no. Apologies. Like, oh, never no. that. Never no, that. I'm it's joking, weird. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. What was I doing? I had the website and I think maybe, I think I read somewhere, someone's like, yeah, you should have your bio on there saying what you're about, who you've done and what you're doing. And I have to keep reminding myself, like I'm not in, I don't consider myself part of the music business. I don't sit in offices mm-hmm. and have meetings and do loads. I just like music. 
Yeah. And I only started making music because I really like music as a kid likes music as a kid bought records as a kid trying to learn to play songs like I just love music and luckily somehow I managed to find a way to make music and manage to meet people who make music who care enough about what I make to try and help put it out so like a lot of the music that I put out is really from the titles to the artwork is stuff that generally if someone asks me about it I can tell them what I was thinking at the time how the titles came about what it meant to me and it is quite personal to me. There's loads of it that doesn't come out that I just listen to that's personal for me. So I could talk about loads of different things, but yeah, I just like music and I'm very lucky enough to get to a point where I can kind of make stuff that I want to make and put it out. And I think that's it. Like it doesn't need to be any more crazier than that. You don't need to know what I did on my 10th birthday or, you know, like, like all of that stuff doesn't really, it doesn't yeah. matter, but I genuinely like love music for real you know what I mean mm. and I just yeah I think that's just that for me is like an honest way to say something I'm not a big uh like I'm not very front-facing in that way I don't really take or post pictures of myself mm. or whatever you know what I mean like, I care about music and so I try to make sure that the music is the thing that I put at the forefront it doesn't yeah. really like whatever you want to learn about me you can come and ask me or listen to the music whatever but I don't need to say this is Kieran and you know what I mean Mm, absolutely so, yeah yeah absolutely. i think i wrote it much better than i said it but yeah <laughs> sure. it is it is brilliant and i imagine uh, deborah I, mean, it's, I think it's very much a sentiment if i may you know to put words in your mouth but uh, it's a sentiment sort of echoed by yourself i imagine absolutely absolutely he, he could not have put it any better mm. um you know we we do this because it is what we are um it's it is as simple as that we love it and we feel that in in our own little way we have our own contribution to make to it and whether anyone hears it or whether it's just for our own um satisfaction or self-expression it needs to be done and and that's why we do it and the fact that we do get to share it with some people and that some people have an amazing reaction to it and a, and a beautiful connection to it is just the icing on the cake, you know. Um, obviously, there are going to be people be people out there that hate it. Fine, you have to take that um, as as part of the the business. You know, not everybody's going to like what you do, but the fact that some people will connect and have your music as part of the soundtrack of their life is such a gift. It's it's such an honor to be part of someone's every day living you know they they choose your music they choose to put on your song for whether it's a certain situation or a certain feeling what have you but they are sharing that moment with you whether you're you're aware of it or not and that's in some ways quite mind-blowing you know you you forget that that is what happens with your music after you've um put it out into the world um Mm because our experience of it is very very different because we've made it and so it does have you know attachments and connotations that sometimes we share sometimes we don't want to share you know because they are very personal Mm. um but ultimately what kieran said put it the best way possible Mm. um i've uh i i've I've taken up so much of your time both of you uh i've I honestly can't thank you enough for this. This is this has been incredible to be able to sit there and discuss this uh, this really amazing project that's been so well received. It's such 
a fantastic representation of both of your your efforts today it's is a wonderful wonderful piece of work i'm so excited to be holding a copy of it right now um uh, yeah thank you both for creating something just really really fantastic and um Hopefully you guys will get another one out before this year's over. So the three of us can sit down and have another conversation about it. But <laughs> I just, I've honestly, I've really loved this and I've wanted to, to happen for a really long time. So I can't thank you both enough, not just obviously for, for the music, for your individual efforts as well, but for, for taking the time today out of your, your busy weekends and, and just, uh, and just chatting about it. So thanks so much. No, thank you, man. I know it's been a, a long time coming and it's been a bit of clash with schedules, but thank you for no, absolutely assisting, pleasure. you know what I mean? And making sure like it's important to do these things, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, as, as, as Deborah, as a, as a regular, as a veteran to these episodes now, um, I'm, I'm worried I haven't said this to Kieran, but we tend to end these episodes with a song and I, I hopefully you'll both agree <laughs> on a song from, from the human an album like if we had to close out the episode right now on on a song uh from the album what what would you both go with and we could play them both if, if you're if if there is i'm gonna let kieran go first on okay this a song from the album yeah yeah from the human album please yeah uh a song from the human album i'm gonna go with wisdom nice, nice. complete agreement yeah. No, yeah. What should we come on? Joking. Come on, wisdom. not joking. I was amazing. Like, I'm picking wisdom. Let's see what he picks. Yeah. Wisdom. Wisdom's mad. I sent a song to Deborah, and then I think Simon sent me a video of some vocals that Deborah had put down just on the chorus, and he yeah. sent me the video. And I think I I watched that video on the way to work. So for like a good 45 minutes. Wow. And in my head, I was thinking, where is the rest of it? Like this is just where is the rest of it? Um, so yeah, wisdom I think is like a proper. That's a special song, man. Oh, amazing! It means a lot that one. Yeah, very special song. And, and any any words from either of you, just for my own satisfaction and for yearning. My my absolute favorite from that record. I adore that song. Yearning is a big, big, big piece of music as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel. Just don't make me sing it live because I can't come in on time. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That vocal on that is um, insane. It's got a very like nineties R and B feel in everything. Right. Like, the vocal yeah. Like, the proper. That's a sweet song, man. That's a sweet. Yeah. I don't give that. Do you know what? Thank you. You've. I'm gonna go and listen back to that today. Good. Yeah, my absolute favorite. Um, I was just coming off your Carl Ross Close uh, Pressure album uh, yeah. a few months from from before getting this one. <laughs> And um, yeah, there was there were elements. So much of the elements of of that album, kind of, I was just picking up Carl was close vibes. And uh, yeah, that la- a portion of the song as well. Yeah, it, it's a masterpiece for me. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to go back and check that man. Very for sure.
You've been missing All I spend is my time 